We're continuing with our series. We entitled it Scandalous, an inside look at the Corinthian church. And we're going through uh, the various chapters in this Bible, in this particular book. Uh, and you should have some notes there with you. They also remind you that the notes are on our church app. So if you ever want to look up the sermon notes, they're on the church app. Uh, I believe that we as a body of believers, if we're going to be disciple, we're going to have to learn how to dig deep. We're going to have to learn how to not be surface readers of the Bible, but we're going to learn how to take what we hear on Sunday and transplant that into our lives Monday through the next Sunday. Amen. Uh, I don't believe in weekend Christianity. I need y'all to listen to me right quick. I don't believe in and the Bible does not teach a weekend Christianity. In other words, a Sunday morning Christianity, a Christianity that is that's, that's wrapped up in just coming to church on Sunday. What you learn here on Sundays and Wednesdays and like on, on, on yesterday, we had an awesome time with our men's ministry. I want to encourage all men, man, you need to come and hear some man talk on that, on that Saturday, uh, the fourth Saturday of each month. Uh, we're going through a series now, A Man and His Work and understanding how God utilizes the avenue of work to shape us and to mold us and to put us in the position where he wants us to be. So I want to encourage all men, uh, when you get that text, don't ignore it. Uh, we would love to see you there on Saturday morning eating a good full breakfast and having some man talk, some stuff that we don't talk about with women around. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, some stuff we got just, you know, Andre, we got just kind of, got to get man to man. And so I want to encourage you to, to be there. Amen. Be involved because here's this is how we grow incrementally as we get word on the inside of us. The Bible says the word of God is, is sharper than a two edged sword. The word of God divides between soul and spirit, marrow and bone. The word of God has a way of penetrating our heart and resulting in life transformation when we take it. And we decide to apply it. But you can't apply something that you don't know. You don't grow by accident in your Christian faith. You have to be intentional and purposeful. Are you listening to me? So that intentionality is shown up in how we uh, spend time with God in prayer and study. So I want to encourage you uh, to get involved with discipleship ministry, uh, Sunday school uh, you know, small group, young adult. I think the young adults had an outing on last night. They had to go to some room and try to get out of it. I don't know. I don't know if y'all can get out of that, but I know I would get out of there. <laughs> All right. All right. So, so first Corinthians 11 chapter, we're going to, we're going to pick back up on here. Now, who's the writer of this text, y'all? The apostle Paul, who's he writing it to? He's writing it to the church at Corinth. The church at Corinth, we discovered when we started this series, has some serious problems. Is that correct? Uh, this church was divided. There was a lack of unity in the church. There was spiritual immaturity in the church. That spiritual immaturity resulted in a lot of shenanigans going on inside the church. So the Apostle Paul, in the first part of this letter, we discovered he writes to address some concerns, Latoya, that he had heard about and that had been reported to him. I want to tell you something right quick. If you are a child of God and you are doing something and you're involved in something you should not be involved in, the Lord has a way of reporting you to the proper authorities. Are you listening to me? Sometimes we think we're in our sin. We got our undercover little secret going on. But you know what? You never know who knows what you're going, what you're doing. And God, in order to get you out of it, will expose you. 
Not to, not, when I say expose, he will, he will, he, if you refuse to get out of it. So what God will do is because he wants you to get out of it so much that even if it causes you pain and that pain results in you getting out of it, you're out of it. All right. So God, God, God has a, I told you before, if you, if you, if you, uh, if you hide it, he can't heal it. But if you uncover it, he'll cover it. Amen. Are y'all listening to me? Just let that sink in just for a second. God's that kind of God. God, God wants to bring us to a point to where we can grow in him. And we cannot grow in him if we are wallowing in sin. So Paul had heard about the things that were going on in the church at Corinth. A member of Chloe's household had informed about the problems in the church. So he addressed the problems in the church in the first part of his letter. Now as we move into the second part of his letter, he now addresses questions that the church of Corinth had written him about and wanted to get some clarity and understanding about. All right. So we get into this 11th chapter here and I want you to please pay attention and, and please remember this, that context matters. Everybody say context matters. Say it again. Say context matters. It absolutely matters because you can be doing something and you can be misunderstood if people don't have the proper context. Are you listening to me today? So in this in this 11th chapter, we're going to start reading at, at verse number one. Uh, and, and as Paul uh, addresses another question here, we will deal with questions that were concerning public worship uh, in particular. And he's going to deal with. Uh, the customs of the Christian and church worship and how that was causing some trouble in Corinth. Because remember, there was division in this church, right? There was schism, there were cliques in the Corinthian church. So now Paul is addressing one of their questions because there was something that was happening here that was causing even further discord. We're going to look at customs uh, 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 as it relates to church worship and public worship and we're going to look at a misunderstanding of what the Lord's Supper was all about and how the Corinthian church had got it, were, were actually causing shame to the body of Christ by the way they conducted themselves during the Lord's Supper. All right? So we'll, we may not get to the Lord's Supper today but we'll, we'll get as far as we can. Amen? Is that fair enough? We'll get as far as we can. As far as time allows, we will get there. Okay? I'm going to let you out at a decent hour today. Amen. Anybody cook today? Anybody cook anything at home? How many of y'all going out? All right, you're gonna beat the you're gonna beat the, the, the late Baptist to the to the to the feeding line today, okay? All right, you're gonna beat them. You're gonna beat them. You're gonna be, you be, you to get the pork chop before they get there, all right? So first Corinthians eleven. I know some of y'all be concerned about that. I just gotta let you put your mind at ease. First Corinthians eleven chapter. Are you there with me? Verse number one, Paul is writing, notice what he says, as you should imitate me, and you should imitate me just as I, what? As I imitate Christ. You should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. That's what Paul was telling the Corinthian church. And as your pastor, I will tell you, you should imitate me as I imitate Christ. Don't imitate me if I'm imitating me. If I'm doing me. How many of y'all know that? That was a little popular saying uh, one time. I'm just doing me. Quit doing you. You ugly. I don't mean physically ugly, but I mean spiritually. We are ugly. We are messed up. Don't just do you. 
Because within every one of us is a man, a, a, a body of sin that, that engulfs us. The Bible says in the flesh dwelleth no good thing. So don't just do you. Let's, let's, let's make sure that we are imitating Christ. Watch the text. Watch the text. Now again, custom and tradition, again, as I look in the outline, are, are often controversial issues in both society and the church. And some argue that custom and tradition help to maintain values in order. Some folks want to hold on to the way they've been doing things for the last 60 years. And, and, and so they argue that custom and tradition help us to va- maintain value in order. Others maintain that, that, that custom and tradition prevent change. Amen. And change that is essential to progress. Because I will tell you this. None of us in here, if we're going to grow in our faith... We cannot grow in our faith if we refuse to change. I will also tell you, no church can be effective and progress and reach a changing world if that church doesn't change the method in which it reaches out to a changing world. The message of the gospel does not change, but the method in which we do it has to change. Everybody says you got to change. Because we're, we're trying to reach a culture and a generation that is radically different than when most of us grew up. Amen. So, so we have to change the method, but not the message. Can I get a witness? And so uh, this section of chapter 11, here, this first part of chapter 11, deals with these issues up front. Paul's, don't miss this, Paul's main concern in this section is irreverence in worship. Irreverence. In other words, the Corinthians were not... Uh, reverencing God in the way that they performed and the way they conducted public worship. There was division, there was discord in the way they were handling the public worship experience. So Paul is writing here uh, uh, to address some things, some, some cultural things that it caused further division in this church. So to get a good understanding, we need to study in, we need to study this in context, amen, of the situation in Corinth. Everybody say the context of the situation in Corinth. Now, now let's, let's, let's move a little further here. Verse, verse number two. Let's read. It says what? Uh, I'm so glad that you always keep me in your thoughts and that you are following the teachings I passed on to you. The Apostle Paul is talking to the church at Corinth. Now, notice this. Go back to verse two right quick. He says, I'm so glad that you always keep me in your thoughts and that you are following the teachings I passed on to you. Watch this. So there was, there was a remnant, even though the Corinthian church had some issues, even though they were baby Christians, even though they had a sin going on in the church, there were some people who were still doing what Paul had instructed them to do. Don't ever feel like Elijah when Elijah felt like he was the last man standing and God had no other prophets. Let me tell you something. God got folks other than EBC that are serving him and worshiping him. Don't you ever get to the point where you think you're the only one that's standing for God. Amen. God has people standing for him. So watch this. Look at verse number three. Let's go. Let's read. He says, but there is one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. All right. Now watch this. I want you to remember this. Remember this. This section focuses primarily on attitudes toward worship. Everybody say attitudes towards worship. And it's not. He's really not dealing with marriage or the role of women in the church in this section. So you got to understand what he's dealing with. Context is going to give us understanding. Everybody say context will help me to understand. Amen. So while Paul's specific instructions 
in this section may be cultural. I mean, in other words, it was what the culture was doing at that time. You know, women covering their heads in worship. And we don't see that today, but that's what's happened in the early church here at Corinth. The principles behind this, his specific instructions are timeless, including respect for spouse, reverence and appropriateness in worship and focusing all of our lives and everything that we do on God. If we belong to God, then everything that we do in our life should be ran through the prism of God's word and the way God thinks about it. Is that right? If I belong to God. All right. I belong to God. There's a there, there was a song that, that we sung it several years. Our youth did. It says I belong to God from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. I belong to God. And, and, and what that says is that uh, in the Bible, even says this: we've been bought with a price. So we, if we've been bought with the price, the price that was paid for us was the blood of Jesus that was shed for us out on Calvary's hill. Jesus died for us so that we could belong to God. So if we belong to God, wouldn't it make sense that, that everything about our life should be ran through the prism of God and how he, how he views life? Shouldn't we have a biblical worldview of how we do life? Rather than a cultural worldview, rather than a Louisiana worldview, whether, the, you know, whether than you know, your family of origins worldview. God if we belong to God, then everything that we have belongs to him, right? If we've been bought with the price, Paul told him, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which belong to God. Everybody say, I belong to God. So, so in this section, we want to make sure that we, we, we focus in on the fact that he's, he's dealing with primarily attitudes toward worship because some of the attitudes toward worship uh, was being... Uh, uh, was being messed up by people who were who were having disagreements and arguments as it relates to some of the common issues in the church. Now, uh, what we're going to discover here is that Jewish women uh, were accustomed to to coming to worship with their heads covered. Gentile women were accustomed to coming to worship with their heads uncovered. Are you following me? Because remember. The institution of the church was a new institution at this point. Up until Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, God dealt with mankind through the nation of Israel. Come on, come on, Bible scholars. Talk with me. They, he dealt with mankind through the nation of Israel because through that nation, the Savior was going to come to be born in the manger in Bethlehem. Now, once the Savior was born in the manger in Bethlehem, Amen. Grew up, went to the cross of Calvary, uh, was crucified, buried and resurrected, which we're going to celebrate that the third Sunday, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Amen. Started. Amen. The institution of the church. And so now God is no longer working exclusively through the nation of Israel. He's still going to deal with them because they're still his people, but he's reaching the world through the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you all tracking with me? But, but how many of you know there are problems that exist when you mesh two cultures? Can I, can I get one witness up in there? Can I, and I love to use marriage because marriage is an example that God used, okay? But think about this for a second. You all that are married right now, how many of y'all married somebody who do stuff differently than you? Can I get one hand raised? 
How many marry somebody who's their family of origin view life maybe a little bit different than yours and maybe they had different ways of doing things. Maybe they ate different food. That's why it's, it's never good, uh, brothers, to, to remind your wife that her, her, her bacon ain't like your mama's bacon. It's probably not a good idea to remind your wife that your mama's apple pie tastes a little bit different and you kind of like your mama's apple pie. Your wife may tell you, well, go eat your mama's apple pie then. Can I get a witness? I'm not telling you to say that, wife, but I mean, I've known that to happen. So what? And what, what you really what you're experiencing, the Bible says, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to the wife and the two shall what? Become one flesh. The becoming aspect of one fleshness causes friction as you become. Are y'all following me today? And so when God birthed the institution of the church into the earth realm, you had Jews and Gentiles coming together in this new institution that's called the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they brought their customs with them. And so customs were causing problems in the Corinthian church. Amen. The Jewish women were accustomed to worshiping with their heads covered. The Gentile women uh, were accustomed to uh, worshiping with their heads uncovered. Okay? Are y'all with me? Now, now watch this. Can we, can we read a little bit further? He says this, uh, verse 3, but there's one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ. The head of a woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Now watch what he does. And look at verse 4. A man dishonors his head if he covers his head while what? Let's read it again. A man does what? Dishonors his head if he covers his head while praying or prophesying. All right, let's go to the next verse. It says what? But a woman dishonors her head if she prays or prophesies without covering on her head. For this is the same as shaving her head. All right, now I, I, I'm going I'm I'm to get into this because I want you to understand. Remember I told you what the context was. Here's the context. You have Jew and Gentile come together into a new institution called the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. You have a Corinthian church where there was disunity already there. There was disunity because of their immaturity. There was disunity and, and that immaturity resulted in people lining up behind specific individuals. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Cephas. I'm of Paul. Well, I'm not of any I'm real spiritual. I'm of Jesus Christ. So yet these different ones lining up behind different uh, ministry leaders. And it was causing division in the church. Now, what Paul is dealing with here in the Corinthian church is he's dealing with the issue of division in the corporate worship service. What we're going to discover when we get over to the 14th chapter and we talk about tongues and gift of tongues, you're going, to, you're going to discover that from this 11th through the 14th chapter, Paul is dealing with the issue of, of edification. Everybody say edification. The word edification means to build up, right? He's dealing with the principle of edification from chapters 11 through 14. And what he says is, in a nutshell, whatever is done in the corporate assembly, when we gather together corporately, should be done to edify the corporate body. 
Whatever we do here as a church should not be just directly for Roger Neal. And, and we, we, Roger's the only one that will get edified because we're going to talk to Roger about Roger. No, we're going to talk to the whole church because all of you came here to get edified, right? But there were some issues that was going on that was causing division in the corporate worship. One, head covering or not head covering. Really, the issue was Paul is dealing with appropriateness in the corporate worship experience and to whatever you're doing in Corinth right here. This is cultural. I want you to make sure that you maintain unity. And in order to maintain unity in your in your church situation in Corinth, y'all ask me this question. So Paul is telling them, so I'm going to give you an answer in order to maintain unity in that culture. There's some things that you need to do. Now, obviously, I don't see a woman in here with the head covered. I don't think. I see Daisy got, got a hat on. All right. We got one. <laughs> she got hers covered. All right. But culturally speaking, the head covering is not applicable to us. Are y'all following it? Otherwise, every woman in here would have the head covered. If not, you'd be in sin right now. Now, there are some churches who've taken this uh, literally. It, it should be taken literally, but if you don't understand the context... And what Paul was dealing with, then now you make a, a, a law and an order. If you step through those doors, every woman has to have her head covered. Are y'all still following me there? Just trying to teach us right. Now back, but, but let's back up, back up to verse number three again. I need to walk through this. I, I don't want to miss this, okay? The Corinthian church, some scandalous things were going on, but now Paul gets into some, some, some cultural things and some things that were affecting uh, the 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 corporate worship experience, and he wants to get he wants to make sure that they don't uh, get sidetracked. Amen. Um, and, and and Paul, when he when he started this this eleventh chapter, he he commended them for remembering his instructions. Amen. For seeking to obey God's will, even in the customs of behavior and of a church, and, and in, as it relates to church order and worship. So they began to try to do that, but there were some problems there. Okay. So, so watch this, watch this. But there is one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ. The head of every man is Christ. The word head in scripture refers to authority. Everybody says authority. authority. Notice what he says. The head of every man is who? Christ. Christ. There is a partnership and order in the universe. Amen. Now, again, he said, I would have you to know. In other words, in other words Paul says, I want you to grasp this. I want you to understand this principle. The head of every man is Christ. By nature, Christ is stronger than man. Are y'all listening? By position, Christ has ordained, God has ordained that Christ be the head and that man be subordinate to him. That's very interesting to me. And and I've talked about this before. It's very interesting to me that many times uh, a man, and I'm talking about us men, okay? A man will understand wives submit themselves to their own husband. As to the Lord, but he won't. He don't understand man submit himself to Christ. Can I talk to you that we understand wives should submit to us, but God says very specifically the head of every man is Christ. In other words, every man should be under Christ's authority. I've said before, and I'll say it again. Maybe just 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 by a smidgen of a chance, maybe our wives 
are not effective in submitting to us because they have not seen us be effective in submitting to Christ. And maybe we as men, amen, and men love to work, men need to love to do things, men love to provide, but, but, but God says Christ is our head. Christ is our thought. Maybe she has been reluctant or maybe done understand and can't quite get the submission part to the husband because you hadn't shown her you submit yourself to Christ. Had never heard you pray. Had never heard you speak over the family about what you sense God's vision is for your family. Have never heard you intercede. Have never seen you really studying your Bible. Well, I studied at work. Why? First of all, you studying at work, you're supposed to be working and not studying. I'm talking about my lunch break. Well, now every lunch break, I see you, you down at, uh... huh? You down at Brothers getting some stuffed shrimp. Over at McAllister getting you a soup and a salad or something. I don't know. I mean, but, but just maybe, just, just kind of go with me just for a second. Maybe the effectiveness of submission is not being borne out in the family because maybe she doesn't see us submitting to Christ. The head of every man is Christ. Are y'all with me? The head of the woman is man. Will y'all repeat that with me? The head of now, what, let's go back and read it again. The head of every man is Christ. The head of woman, the head of... Let's start from the beginning. I, I need to soak in right here. Let's read it. It says, but there's one thing I want you to know. I don't want you to be confused about it. I don't want you to have misunderstanding about it. I want you to know this, that the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. And the head of Christ is who? God. Now, now watch this. We got to deal with this in love. We got to deal with this in, in the spirit of humility. We got to deal with the spirit of honesty. Now, let's, let's see if we can kind of... Uh, get some clarity and understanding here. First of all, neither man nor woman is superior to the other in being. Let me, let me, let me clarify that. I said it Wednesday, I'm going to say it today. Neither man nor woman is superior to the other in being. Man and woman are equal in God's eyes. I need you all to repeat that with me. Say man and woman are equal in God's eyes. In God's eyes, there is an, an essential partnership between man and woman. Neither one of them is independent of the other. Both are from the other and the relationship that exists between them has come from whom? God. Now, now watch it. Skip down to verse 11 and 12. With the right Let's read that up and we'll, we'll, we'll pop back here. Amen. Verse 11 says, but among the Lord's people, women are not independent of men and men are not independent of women. Verse 12. Come on. For although the first woman came from man, 
Every other man was born from a woman. Brother, you didn't get here without a woman. Is that what he says? He says every other man was born from a woman and everything comes from God. Are y'all still tracking with me? There's neither male nor female in God's eyes. He sees both man and woman as one, each as significant as the other. Go to Galatians 3 and 28. Let me prove it to you. Galatians 3 and 28. You got to understand this. Now watch this now. Watch this. Because I don't want you to miss what Paul was saying here. And there, there have been many who studied this and have missed the cultural context of what Paul was dealing with. He's really just trying to tell the Corinthian church, you guys have a lot of disorder. And there's some stuff that's cultural that's causing disagreements in the church. Uh, you got Jew and Gentile coming together into one institution of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's causing some conflict. So I want, you, I want you to settle this conflict because you can't have, you really can't have true, vibrant corporate worship when there's conflict in the body. As a matter of fact, it's hard when you come from your house and y'all been arguing all night, it's kind of hard to really get into the praise and worship. Now, I know some of y'all fake it. Come on now. I know you, I know you say, I'm going to fake it till I make it pass. I'm going just, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna to just praise that old sinful man off of me today. No. It's difficult to truly give God total concentration when you got issues at home. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I, I, I know I've, I've tried to do it before. And, 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 and I, I get distracted. I don't know about you. Yeah, I'm up there. Praise the Lord. I'm looking over there. See, how, what is she really doing? You know, she told me that last night. I don't like what she told me. And we never did sell that thing. But there she is over there doing that. There. Anybody in the house? Anybody in the house? Especially, especially if your spouse sings in the choir. They up there just. You like that rascal? So, so imagine if you are here in the church and there's discord between you and another member in the church that you haven't dealt with biblically the way the Bible told you. And now you're trying to, you know, to corporately come together and praise God. It, it, it makes it a little bit more difficult. Am I right about it? Look at what Paul said to the Galatian church. He says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or free man, female, for you are all one in Christ. So when God, get back to 1 Corinthians 11, when God talks about man being the head of the woman, he's not talking about ability or worth, competency or value. He's not talking about uh, whether a man is more brilliant than a woman because that's not, that's not the case. God is talking about function and order within an organization. He's dealing with function and order within an organization. Amen. Every organization has to have a head for it to be operated in an efficient and orderly manner. Because at some point in time, there are going to be some times where everybody's not going to agree and the decision has to be made. Can I get a witness? Are y'all, are y'all listening to me? Every organization has to have a head for it to be operated in an efficient and effective manner. There are no greater organizations than God's universe, his church, and his Christian family. God's universe creation his church, us corporately, and the family, which he started with the family, right? He created the universe, then he started with the family. Let's make man in our image and in our likeness, right? And within God's order of things, there is a partnership, but every partnership must have a head, and God has ordained that man 
is the head of the partnership. And there was silence. The head of, let's look at this right quick. We're talking about equal, male and female. Now watch, watch what God does in this text. He says, and the head of Christ is God. So in case you're tripping off of that, everybody, all you 1980 folks say tripping. Okay, some of you two thousand, some of you millennials don't know what tripping means, but uh, but but some of us old school baby boomers know what it means to trip. In case you tripping off of male and female and and headship, he, he he gives you a real life example. See, Christ and his Father are one. There's God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are equal. Yet he says here, the head of Christ is whom. This simply means that when Christ came to earth, he subjected himself to God the Father. Amen. God the Father was the head under whom Christ worked and he functioned. Go to Philippians, the second chapter with me right quick. Philippians chapter two, look at verses six and seven. I need y'all to, are y'all still flowing with me today? Because remember what he's doing here, he's trying to get order in this church as particularly in this instance, as it relates to public worship, because whatever is done in the corporate setting should be done to edify the corporate body. And when you have this stuff going on here, when they were disagreeing about head coverage and that type of thing, it was a cultural thing. But Paul says, don't let that stop the church from being unified. OK, there may be some things culturally that 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 may be different in how you do. We do it here than your old church. It don't mean your old church is wrong. It don't mean that that, that that makes us, you know, wrong either. Uh, but we don't want that stuff to cause us not to be able to work together. And you got to be able to look beyond it. Look at what it says here. It says, though, though, uh, go back to verse number five. Verse five, right? Says, Glory. You must all have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Paul, talking to the church at Philippi, Philippi says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, verse 8 says, he humbled himself, what? In obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. He humbled himself in obedience to the one that he was in equal, amen, deity with. He gave up the privileges of deity to come down and to be born in a manger in Bethlehem, wrapped in human flesh, and he submitted himself to the will of the Father who was in heaven. So Christ, the head of Christ is who? God. You remember in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, Lord, if there's any other way to accomplish this, let this cup, let this cup pass from me. But notice what it says, nevertheless, not my will, but what? Thy will be done. In other words, he understood that I, I am subjected to your authority. Now, guys, let me tell you something. In life, when you learn how to submit yourself to the authority that you are up under, it, 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 it bodes well for your life. Uh, it, even when it comes to your career. Uh, when you are in a place of employment, we, l- we learn this about work. When you're know, in a place of work, uh, many Christians don't understand authority. 
Many Christians don't understand authority. In other words, many of you all get in, many of you get in trouble uh, with your career path and your place of employment because you don't know how to submit to authority. You want to run everything. And sometimes it's not your place to run a situation. If somebody makes a decision and you're up under their authority, as long as that decision is not uh, a criminal or unbiblical, then you have an obligation to go with that decision, even though you may would have done it differently. Hello? You know, uh, you know, brother, we, we need to, this, this, this is an important uh, 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 product we got to get out to the customer, uh, you know, by Saturday. And um, if, we, if we don't get this product to them on time, uh, we're going to lose this important contract. And, and, and I need you and your team to work about two hours over on Friday. You, you, you talking to me? Um, you know, um, man, I got stuff I got to do. I'm supposed to be going. I got most time when we say I got stuff I got to do. It's it's stuff that we really could delay, but we we you know it's stuff I got to do. We we won't be specific. And all you were doing was going home and watching the game. The NCAA basketball tournament was on, and your team was playing. LSU was playing on Friday seven. You you wasn't gonna miss that to get this product out. Not not thinking ahead that if we if we miss this customer. And this customer moves their business to someplace else. We're going to lay off about 30 people. But you ain't caring about that. You want to go and watch the game. And so uh, even though that person of authority says, okay, here's what we're going to do. Even, when, even if you stayed in your heart, you bucked against it. You see, don't you realize that God watches the way we handle stuff and the way we uh, examine, the way we look at stuff? And God is judging whether or not we're ready to move to the next level. Because next time, when you in, let's say two years from now, you're in that position. And now you're in that position and you want everybody to stay. Because you know, if you lose the contract, your neck on the line. Everybody say authority. You know, authority has always been a part of God's mandate to keep order in the earth realm. So, again, let's get back here. When, uh, again, don't misunderstand what he's talking about here. We go back to 1 Corinthians 11 chapter. The head of Christ is God. This simply means that when Christ came to earth, he subjected himself to God the Father. Now, get, get into verse Four through six, right quick. Let's watch, watch this right quick, and we're going. So, so look at look at the principles that we learn from this because he's he's dealing with you know order and public worship and making sure that we don't let the customs uh, of the culture at that time disrupt order in public worship. The principles are timeless. What what are some principles learned? Number one, principle number one: there's a partnership and order in the universe. Understand it. There's a partnership when God says. Man and woman, uh, man leave his father, mother cleave his wife, and two become one flesh. That's a partnership. Okay, y'all got ever say partnership? And within partnerships, then there there is a submission to authority. And so he gets into this next part here. uh, Principle number two: Do not embarrass or dishonor anyone. 
Okay. First of all, there's a partnership and order in the universe. Understand that, you know, he says, you know, he talks about the fact that um, uh, woman is subject to man and Christ subject to, to God. Okay. Those things are, are critically important for us to understand. Um, so he gets into this part. He said, a man dishonors his head if he covers his head while praying or prophesying. Um, but a woman dishonors her head if she prays or prophesies without covering on her head. Now, again, um, the thing is, he's, I want you to don't miss this is he's saying don't embarrass or dishonor anyone. This verse actually begins to zero in on the specific problem confronting the Corinthian church and it involved dress. Okay, everybody say dress. Now, how many of y'all would agree that we all have different tastes or different takes on how we should dress? There, there, and listen, and there, there, it's a critical mistake to make a judgment or determinations, determination on someone's righteousness based on how they dress. And that's what's happening in a lot of our uh, churches. We will determine we will determine the condition of a person's heart based on how they dress. All right. Now, now, let, can we walk through this just for a second? Okay. Remember this: the custom of a man worshiping with his head uncovered was important to the early church. All right. The Jews worship with covered heads. And what they were doing, they were copying Moses who, who covered his head after being in the presence of God. That's why you see a lot of Jewish men, you go to Jewish synagogue, they had a little cap thing on their head. And that, that, that's symbolic of uh, what Moses did after talking to God. So they would have their head covered. But, not, but, but back up to what this just said here in verse 4. Watch verse 4, it says it again. It says, a man dishonors his head if he covers his head while praying a prophesy. Now watch this. The Jewish men who were now in the institution of the church had their heads covered. I like what Paul does. And thank you, Holy Ghost. What Paul does here, he doesn't just go to one side or the other. On one side, okay, he, he, he says a man dishonors his head if he, if he covers his head while praying or prophesying. So you have the Jewish men who came into the church head covered because of their custom, their tradition, right? Paul says a man dishonors his head if he covers his head while praying or prophesying. Now back up, back up to verse 3 again. Verse 2, no, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, go to verse 5, go to verse 5. So he says, but if a woman, but a woman dishonors her head if she prays or prophesies Without a covering on her head, for this is the same as shaving her head. Watch, we'll get to that in just a second. Watch this, watch this. So, so again, the Jews worship with covered heads, copying Moses. The church, watch this, wanted to show that man had regained the image of God. Man could now have face-to-face contact with God through Christ as his mediator. Watch this. The uncovered head was the symbol of this face-to-face communion with God. So these Gentile believers understood that, that now we have a mediator, Jesus Christ, and, and, and through Christ Jesus, we can go to God for ourselves, and we don't have to have the high priest. So now they, they signified 
had uncovered with having this freedom through Christ. Jewish believers still felt like head had to be covered because they were thinking about Moses as he went into the presence of God. Are y'all, are y'all following him? So what Paul is going to advise you, listen, listen, it, it, he said, I'm going to give you some advice here. Culturally speaking for Corinth, you Jewish men, uncover your head. All right? You Gentile women, uh, he says, but a woman dishonors her head if she prays without prophesying, if she prays or prophesies without a covering on her head. Because again, in, 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 in the Jewish culture, a woman who was not covered, or in this Oriental culture this time, a woman who went around with her head uncovered was considered to be a loose woman. Are you following them? So Paul says, in order to get some water here, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to split the baby in half. Okay? He says, man who prays, back up to verse... Verse number four, let's get to, it says, a man who dishonors his, a man dishonors his head if he, if he covers his head while praying or prophesying. Jewish guys, okay? Because again, what they were talking about, the, the Gentiles, men knew that we, we, go, we, we are in Christ Jesus now. And we don't have to have a head covering. And not, a lack of a head covering is, is, is synonymous with being a, it's a distinguishing mark of being a follower of Christ. So we don't want to cover our head because we know we got access to the Father. We can go straight to the Father through the mediator, Jesus Christ, our high priest. Are y'all still tracking with me today? So, so it, 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 we got to remember that these customs were extremely important to the early church. It may not be important to us, but the early church that Paul was dealing with, this was very important. Amen. Just as important as some of our customs are today. Amen. There's some things that we do that are customary uh, and it helps us to, 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 to live in cohesive unity with one another. The men were covering their heads. Uh, you know, it, it, at this time, you know, the Jewish men were coming in. They were covering their head. The men were covering their head uh, uh, in, in a spirit of rebellion and nonconformity. In other words, uh, the covering of the head didn't save them. The uncovering of the head didn't save them. But but they but they were doing it as a sign of rebellion and not to conform. And and that type of spirit of course, is a sin. In other words, remember what I told you, we talked about the fact that when you go to a, 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 a weaker brother or if you go to a, a, a body of believers who don't believe that women should wear pants to church, all right? But you go in there and you and you say, okay, I know they believe that, but you know what? I got freedom in Christ and you do have freedom in Christ. You can wear them in, in this corporate worship service here, but if we go to a church that don't believe that, you and I would be in, not, not that I would wear a dress, you understand me? <laughs> but you would be in sin if you knew that they, that they felt like that was wrong. And in your spirit of rebellion, you go and say, well, I'm going to walk up in the yard. Ain't nobody going to tell me what the way I come to church and I praise the love myself. I've been born again for a long time. I speak in a tongue. I'm going to wear my pants. I'm going to shout. I'm going to make sure they see me because I'm going to run down the aisle and shout. Everybody say Sin. Because it's the spirit behind that attitude that God deals with. Is everybody still tracking with me? So, so a true believer, watch this. A true believer should never allow a spirit of rebellion or nonconformity to take a foothold in his life. God has not saved the believer to change customs. Some people have different customs. Respect that. Don't go in and try to disrupt that and change that. Respect that. Some of these customs have nothing to do with salvation, but it means the world to that person. 
So Paul is trying to get them, get them to understand this because some of these guys were, were, were wearing the head covering as a sign of rebellion and not, conf- not conforming. Are y'all, are y'all following me? All right. So uh, look, with, let's get back to the text. We've got to move here. I'm about out of time. Is everybody still with me? So what is Paul dealing with? Paul's trying to say, listen, let, let's deal with, let's deal, let's make sure that we, we, we focus on the attitude toward worship. The attitude toward worship. We've got to understand the context of the culture he's dealing with in order, for, in order for us to understand the attitude that he's dealing with. Our attitude toward worship, our attitude toward other believers, our attitude toward what God's word says is critically important. That's what God is looking at. He's dealing with our hearts and our attitudes. So you can fool some people by the way you you know come up in here and you 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 can look you can you can look like you're deep you can look like you're holy you can sing and you can shout like you are really into God but God's looking at your attitude and your heart. Oh, you follow me? Now get get back to First Corinthians eleven with me right quick. Amen. There were there were some some customs that again uh, look look at that verse number six with me right quick. Hurry, hurry, come on, we gotta move. So, 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 so the long and short of it is, don't allow a custom or a, a cultural nuance to cause division between you and another believer. That's, that's, that's the essence of what Paul was dealing with in this text, okay? Yes, if she refused to wear a head covering, she should, be cut off, she should cut off all her hair. But since it is shameful for a woman to have her hair cut or head shaved, she should wear a covering, all right? Now, now remember this. Uh, you had some stuff going on here where a, a lot of times temple prostitutes would shave their heads. Okay, all right, y'all, y'all with me? So, so some of, some of that would, would, be, would be viewed as being looseness, it's similar to what I what I shared with you before. You know, a, a woman can wear a certain thing, and it can imply that she's a loose woman. Can I talk to you right quick? There are certain things, as far as your dress, it would imply that you are a loose woman. I remember, this is, this is going back six, seven years ago, and, and I was at a basketball game, a high school basketball game. And there were, there were some young ladies that walked in, and you couldn't help but see them. I said you couldn't help but see them. Let me say it again. You couldn't, you couldn't help but see them. We sit up in the stand. They walked right back right there. And this young lady walked right by and she had a jeans on, but her jeans was sort of low cut. Can I just talk to you? What I, and then she had a thong underwear rising above her jeans. Okay. And was walking real proud too. I miss... It's like, shake the thing. Show me what you're working with. That's kind of what she was doing. Some of y'all remember that song. On, shake the thing. Show me what you're working with. Kind of like she had a motor back there. Just... Now watch this. Watch this. Somebody said, my mercy, just pray, just pray, just pray. <laughs> now watch this. Guys, let me tell you something. That type of dress decorum sends a signal 
that says, whether you believe it or not, that says, you know, I'm flaunting what I have and I want you to see this. Somebody said an actual, yeah. It sends a signal that you are loose. Are y'all with me? Dressing decorum is, is important, and it should not be a distraction uh, in the church. Okay? Um, your dressing is not the totality of your righteousness. As a matter of fact, your, your dressing, dressing doesn't make you righteous, but again, there's something that we got to understand and know that we can't allow certain things to be permeated and messages sent. Messages are sent by our dress code. Okay? So I don't want to see anybody dressed like that young woman. Okay? Can I get one amen? amen. I dressed the way I wanted. Okay, then go on then, boss. Now watch. Get, get this, get, let's go. Let's go. Verse seven to ten. And I, I, I'm out of time, y'all. Can I pick up next week? Will y'all let me pick up next week? Watch this. A man should not wear anything on his head when when worshiping, for man is made in God's image and reflects God's glory, and woman reflects man's glory. For, for the first man didn't come from woman, but the first woman came from man. Is that right? From the side, right? Look at verse, verse number nine. I'm, I'm going to stop. And man was not made for woman, but woman was made for man. All right, here we go. Verse 10. He says, for this reason, and because the angels are watching, a woman should wear a covering on her head to show she's under authority. This is cultural. He's dealing with the cultural deal at this time. Okay? Understand that. To show she's under authority. Verse 11. But among the Lord's people, women are not independent of men, and men are not independent of women. Verse 12 says, for although the first woman came from man, every other man was born from a woman, and everything comes from God. I got to stop it, guys, but I want you to come back next week because I'm going to unpack this a little bit more. I want to deal a little bit more with this issue because there's a lot of confusion in the church today. And when people take stuff out of context and run with it, they set up rules that sometimes are going against God's revealed word. And so everybody say, the Corinthian church, it was a little scandalous. Every head bowed, every eye closed.